Hello, welcome to the verse of the day where we believe that the Bible is not just a book about the past, but that it is full of power and wisdom for today. Thanks for tuning in as we look at God's word together. Today's verse is for April the 16th, 2020, and it comes from my good friend David Tehran. It's Jeremiah 17, verse 9, which reads, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Wow, thanks a lot, David. What an encouraging verse that you picked. But I bet that you did not know that my great grandfather, Leonard W. Coote was saved reading a Bible when he came across this verse. God used this very verse to save my great-grandfather, Leonard Coote, and to start a wave and a chain of legacy and ministry and Bible schools and churches and missionaries that have literally impacted eternity. So while this isn't the most upbeat of verses, it's actually a very important verse for me and my family as our family's spiritual heritage began with God sovereignly using this verse to save my great-grandfather. So, What I thought I would do today is to read a short chapter from his, Leonard Coote's, autobiography. You can get this autobiography called Impossibilities Become Challenges at the church. We give them away for free if you want one. Just let me know and and we'll get it to you. But in chapter two, he talks about his conversion experience. And if you don't know anything about my great-grandfather, what you need to know is that God used him in a mighty way to do incredible things for him. And he became a church planter and he started Bible schools. And God just used him in an amazing, amazing, amazing way. And his ministry continues on to this day all over the world, especially in Japan and in San Antonio, Texas, at Destiny Church, which he founded in 1941. So it reads, I had not been staying many days in the home of Reverend Thornton before I found out he was a man that believed and lived the Word of God in its entirety. Daily in morning family worship and in other prayer meetings, he would invariably hold up the Bible and declare that he believed every word, every chapter, yea, its whole contents, to be the very breath of God in the original language. As he emphasized this point day after day, I began to wonder if he really meant it. I had been influenced to believe that the Bible might be a good book, but could not bring myself to accept the fact that it was reliable in its entirety. Higher critics had made me think that the creation story of Genesis was merely a fable, and the story of Jonah and the great fish another fable, and so on. I had not received such atheistic opinions from books, but from the pulpit of the church. What a crime it is that the very church, which should have been a soul-saving institution, had become an atheist-creating body. Brother Thornton, too, was definitely an American, and I was a very conservative Englishman. 
Some of his American ways seemed strange, as I had never come in contact with Americans before. And now that he insisted on declaring that he believed the Bible to be the very word of God himself, yea, the very breath of God in the original language, well, to say the least, I really did think he was very eccentric. At the same time, I was silently impressed with his godly life, his congeniality and the way he had taken me into his home and acted as a father towards me had won my heart. I began to argue with him and tried to show him where I thought he was wrong. Certain places in the word were brought as proofs the Bible could not be fully relied on. His reply was ever the same, Brother Coote. If you do not take the Bible as the revelation of God to man, that is all right. Just leave it alone. We will not argue about it. Brother Thornton knew the power and the working of the Holy Spirit, and that argument would only hinder. But I was not content. I still tried to argue and ever received the same reply. No, Brother Coot, we will not argue. If you cannot see the Bible as God's revelation to man, just leave it alone. It will make no difference to me. We will still remain friends. I had now started on my five-year contract with Lever Brothers. I was full of worldly ambitions and being free from restraints and facing new people, new scenes, coupled with the enjoyment of selfish pleasures and fleshly indulgences, were it not for the faithful secret prayers of this dear brother in a short time, I would have filled a drunkard's grave. Being a paying guest in the missionary home, I came in touch with missionaries of all denominations from America, England, China, and India. Frequently, meetings were held in English in the home by missionaries of the Japan Evangelistic Band, particularly the ministries of Paget Winkles and Barley Buxton, had a strange but holy effect on me. A converted man named C.B. Argall often stayed in the home and exerted a good influence on my life, but yet I was far from accepting the general doctrine that the Bible was actually God's word. The message on the cross of Christ had begun to make an impression on my soul. It wasn't that I had not heard it before, for I was familiar with the facts. But I began to wonder and to consider what a tremendous sacrifice Christ made, and that surely there was something greater in the truth of the cross than I had yet realized. The reason for the cross and its results became a progressive subject of thought. One night, feeling distressed about the question and wondering if the Bible were really and fully God's word, and why Brother Thornton would not meet my arguments, I entered my bedroom so thinking, when suddenly I had an argument with myself. I said, What right have you, Coot, to declare that the Bible is or is not the word of God, when you have never read it through once? You're trying to argue with men who have read it through many times and have spent years teaching it. What if an English-speaking Japanese were to belittle the writings of Shakespeare and it was found that such a critic had never even read them through? What little weight would such criticism carry? I saw myself foolish in my former actions and then and there declared that I would read the whole book through once in order to place myself in the position of authority to argue about it. I did not read the book to find salvation, but to find the supposed inaccuracies that I believed it contained. I began to read the Bible with a pencil in one hand and a notebook in the other, searching for mistakes. I began at Genesis, read through the five books of Moses, 
at times quite interested and other times thinking it is a dreary book. Then I came to Joshua, Judges, the two books of Samuel, the Kings, followed by Chronicles, right on until I came to Jeremiah. Without any noticeable conviction, I retired to my room after supper one night as usual and continued reading the Bible at the place I had left off the previous evening. As I read the words, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it, I was smitten. I saw myself as I had never seen myself before, a lost, undone, wicked, hell-bound sinner. It seemed as if my clothes smelt of the awfulness of sin. Degradation was all around me, and the mouth of the pit was opened wide to receive me, body, soul, and spirit. I could do nothing but fall on my face and call out to God to save my soul. But the more I prayed, the worse I became, and the more terrible did my sins appear. I prayed until I had to go to sleep without finding any joy or peace or satisfaction. Though miserable all the next day without telling anyone of the conviction on my soul, the next night I went quickly to my room and sought God with all of my heart again. Feeling that God was getting further away from me, I prayed, prostrating myself on the floor. But instead of finding relief, it seemed that God had deserted me and salvation could never be my portion. A natural and proper thing would have been to go to my spiritual friend, Brother Thornton, and receive help and instruction on how to get rid of my burden. But the pride of my evil heart would not permit me to reveal my need to anyone. The deceitfulness of my heart had hidden my condition from myself, and now it would hide it from others, and so at every turn a man's heart becomes his chief enemy. The third night I retired as quickly as possible to my room and sought God with all my heart. I remember taking up the carpets on the floor this night, feeling that it was not worthy to pray on carpets. I was as much away from God as ever, and the matter seemed hopeless. I was about to further humble myself by going outside to pray in the dirt on the backyard when something arrested and stilled my mind. It was possibly a vision for I seemed to be holding the cross and the five bleeding wounds of Calvary. The blood pouring out from every part of his body was presented to me, and in a few minutes I seemed to understand this blood was for my sins. Though there was no audible voice, I heard the words distinctly saying, Coot, look, and live. I did so, and deep down into my heart was a stirring as if Jesus in very person was saying to me, I died thus for you. I shed my blood for your sins. Just accept my work of redemption. I did so crying out, I believe, I believe. An inward peace now settled over my soul, and I continued to prostrate before God in silence when suddenly the floodgates of my soul were opened. Joy rushed in, and I knew no bounds. Joy flooded my being as I realized that I had been converted. My sins were washed away, and now I was a child of God. Everything was different. The leaves on the trees the next morning had a different tint, and the office conditions seemed all changed. To every member of the office, whether European or Japanese, I told the glad tidings that I had been converted 
and had found forgiveness of sins. They laughed at me. They told me I was already a missionary. And they scoffed at me. But that made no difference. I had found God, and laughing or scorning could not change what he had done. And that concludes this short chapter in his autobiography. So, this is one of the many, many, many reasons that I believe that the Bible has power. I know this is not the most uplifting verse, but God has used this verse and countless others to change countless people's lives as his word goes out. Have faith, have confidence in the word of God. Put it into practice, live it out, and watch how your life will change.